Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. Galatians 2, verses 17 through 21. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. He is risen. Let's try that again. He is risen. This is something that comes around every year, right? You get up on Easter Sunday morning, you go to church, and uh, Alan's always the first person who says it to me, wherever Alan is. He is risen, and we respond with, he's, in, he's risen indeed. Interestingly, no other day of the year that I come to church does anybody ever say that to me. That's kind of funny because guess what? He's risen every day, isn't he? And we need to be reminded of the fact that he's risen every day. We know that he's not just risen for one day. He's always risen. But the temptation for us is to be regulated by a calendar. This is the time of year we remember the resurrection of Jesus. And so we say it. It makes us feel good. We can be driven by our habits. We can be driven by our traditions. But I think we're left with this question. What is it all about? What, it is, what does it all mean? What does it mean that he's risen? What does it mean that he died? What is it all for? Does it even matter? You may have noticed this morning we're not in one of the Gospels. We're in Galatians. We've been going through a study of Galatians. But Paul here today is going to show us exactly what the cross is all about. He's going to show us exactly why we should be declaring every day, every day I should get up and look at my wife and say, He is risen. Because it's true for us and it matters for us. It's about our being sinful for, before God and about his satisfying of God's wrath. It's about how we are made right. How we are made righteous before God. I want to read for a second Galatians 16 as we have led into this because I think it's important here. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Over and over here, Paul is using this term justified, uh, just, and, and what it comes from is this word justification. Justification is a legal term. It refers to how we stand before God. How, when we come into the presence of God, how do we stand? How am I to be declared right and righteous before the God of the universe? I am a sinner, therefore how can I be right? There are f very few more important questions in the Christian faith than we can ask th than this. How am I made right before God? Martin Luther said this, 
If the doctrine of justification is lost, the whole of Christian doctrine is lost. If we lose the doctrine of justification, we lose all of it. Is he exaggerating? Because we can see evidences of this in the church today. Out there is a wildly popular book and movie by this guy named William Paul Young called The Shack. And there's many things you can say about The Shack. It's a work of fiction and so on and so forth. But the same author has recently written a book called Lies We Believe About God. This is a man who has the ear of the Christian community, who people love his book, they love his movie, and this is what he has said about God. Who originated the cross? If God did, then we worship a cosmic abuser who in divine wisdom created a means to torture human beings in the most painful and abhorrent manner. Frankly, it is often this very cruel and monstrous God that the atheists refuse to acknowledge or grant credibility in any sense, and rightly so, Better know God at all than this one. This is the the voices that are influencing people in the church today. Better know God than the God of the cross. Justification being removed. Christians tend to not know what even this doctrine of justification is anymore. We don't like theological sounding words. So they don't care to know or they refuse it flat out. J.I. Packard says when Protestants... Let the thought of justification drop out of their minds. The true knowledge of salvation drops out with it and cannot be restored to the truth of justification is back in its proper place. Brothers and sisters, the cross is all about how we are made just and right before God. It is the most important thing that we can see. And so this morning, we're going to look at this in three points. First, the problem of sin. Second, death to the law. And third, life in Christ. The problem of sin, death to the law, and life in Christ. Each of us comes into this world with a problem, and that problem is sin. Paul talks about the law being given here. The law is given as the standard to show us that we have a problem of sin. It shows us that we are incapable of being right before God because we cannot hold to the law. If we are to be righteous before God, apart from some outside mean, we have to perfectly live according to the law. And when I say law here, just for the sake of example, we all know the Ten Commandments. If you've not heard those, they at times are in the news. We talk about not killing, not stealing, and so on and so forth. Not bearing false witness, not lying. We break the law all the time, the God's law. And so the question is, Now that we are transgressors of the law, how are we made right? The ultimate answer comes through Jesus Christ. We are made right when we put our faith in him. And then God treats us as if we were righteous as Jesus is righteous. This is called imputed righteousness. This word impute can tend to scare us, but all it means is it's like putting on clothing. When we put on clothing, it's like his righteousness is put on us as a garment is put on us. This is what happens when we put on our faith in Christ. What Jesus did through the cross and the empty tombs counts for us. God pardons sinners, considering them righteous because of the righteousness of God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism defines it this way. An act that justification is an act of God's free grace, 
wherein he pardons all our sins, accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ, imputed to us and received by faith alone. In the church of Galatia, there was a problem coming up that stemmed from this doctrine. And the question is this, and it's a very simple one, and I think it's one we tend to ask. If we are made right through justification in Christ alone, why be a better person? Why try to do anything good? And this is the very objection that Paul tries to answer in verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? And we have to remember here, when Paul uses the word sinners, he uses it kind of in a double way. Because the Judaizers who have come into the church, those who are trying to add the law, call the Gentiles, Gentile sinners. It's synonymous. And so they're saying, Paul, you and Peter are acting like Gentile sinners because you're doing things like eating pork and eating with them and sharing table fellowship with them. And we know, just from the onset, that Christians are not always the best representatives of Christ. And we have to look no further than ourselves for that, right? Think about the way you at times fail to love one another. You say harsh words. You go into the world and you always hear stories of, and I've heard pastors say this. I don't know what pastor would say this. You see here, someone's got a Christian bumper sticker and they're the ones honking at you and making rude signs with their hands at you, right? That's Christians for you. Luther says a Christian is not someone who has no sin or feels no sin. He is someone to whom, because of his faith in Christ, God does not impute his sin. In essence, Paul says, is God in the business of sin? And Paul's answer is, certainly not. When God justifies a sinner by faith, he is not aiding and abetting in their sin. And the very thought is blasphemous. And the reason Christ does not aid and abet in our sins is because the wrath is satisfied. It's not like he comes in and says, well, I'm just going to give you grace and there's no punishment. No, he says, I'm not only going to give you grace, I am going to receive your punishment for you. He says, if we rebuild what we tore down, then we are transgressors. Jesus Christ in the cross takes the law. He takes that standard which we could not attain to, and he does it for us. And he says, you no longer, your standard is no longer the law. It's not. Your standard is no longer living to the law to come into the presence of God. I have done it for you. Do not put that back on people. That's what he's saying. Do not put the law back on people. I, I have satisfied it through the cross and the empty tomb. The Old Testament law, in essence, has been torn down through Jesus' teachings and actions. Uh, Peter, in essence, when he would uh, not eat with his fellow Christians who were Gentiles, but was actually preaching the gospel to him, he was in one hand tearing down a wall, and the other hand was coming behind him and building it back up. It's senseless. It doesn't make sense. Yes, Gentiles, you're saved by faith and not by works, but let me give you works. And, but what 
we have to understand today is that in Christ, the law has been put to death. And we have been put to death to the law. It's how we are made right with God. Paul says he has died in respects to the law. That, that means that he's no longer under the power of the law. Calvin, to die to the law is to renounce it and to be freed from its dominion so that we have no confidence in it. And it does not hold us captive under the yoke of slavery. Because here's the reality. The law comes with a deadly curse. If you do not obey the whole of the law, which if you want to try to do it, it is staggeringly difficult. It is impossible. But the law came and said, if you do not hold every last one of these, then God will exhaust his wrathful judgment upon you. And Jesus comes in and says, I am going to let that punishment be completely poured upon me in its fullness. And so Paul can say now, I am dead to the law. This is the necessity of the cross. God is either just or he isn't. And justice had to be satisfied. Now, Christian, I have a word of encouragement for you. If you are in Jesus, if you believe he is your savior, then this is true for you. You are dead to the law. The law no longer has any dominion over you. It's not that it doesn't matter. It means it's been satisfied. Its penalty has been met. So when we say the Lord is risen and you respond by saying he is risen indeed, what you really mean is the whole and total punishment of the wrath of God upon me has been satisfied in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is amazing. That is a wonderful, beautiful truth. We are free from the penalty and we should rejoice in this. We should rejoice in what Christ has done for us. We are no longer living after the old man. We are living to the new man. We are made new in Christ Jesus. We now have life in him. The reality is this. When we look at the cross, we can count four things nailed to the cross. Jesus himself. The placard that said, here is the king of the Jews. Our sins were nailed to the cross, the debt for our sins. But also, if you were a follower of Christ, then you were there nailed with him as well. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says in verse 20. It is part of every Christian's personal life story. Christ has died for you. He alone was the God-man. He alone could atone for the sins of the world by offering his life in our place. And you have been crucified with him. This is an objective reality that is based upon his, your relationship with him. Hear the freedom in that. It is not something that you are continually having to earn. It's not something you have to continually question. It's not something you say, 
oh, I've been so bad today. I hope that I'm okay before God. You do not have to wonder if you are in Christ Jesus, then this is a reality for you. You have relationship with him and your sins have been crucified with him. You are united to him. By faith, Luther says, you are cemented to Christ, that he and you are as one person which cannot be separated but remains attached to him forever. You have lived Christ's perfect life. You have died Christ's sacrificial death. You were buried in his tomb. You were raised up to the glories of heaven. You were united to Jesus Christ in this. This is what we remember today when Jesus' story became our story. I am crucified with Christ. When you receive Christ, you receive everything he has to offer. So you can call yourselves sons and daughters of the Most High. You can say, I have a heavenly inheritance with him. You receive his righteousness. God considers us righteous as his own son, not because of us, but because we are in him. We are dead to the law. We are made live in Christ and nothing you can do can improve your standing before God and there is freedom in that know the wonderful freedom of the cross and the empty tomb of Christ risen there is nothing you can do to improve your standard before God nothing you can't uh, go to enough uh, good programs and charities you can't give enough uh, to missionaries or anything like that. You can't come to the church and work enough or do anything that is going to improve your standing before God because you have been made, if you are his, you have been made right in Christ. We live in a time where people are obsessed with themselves. Self-esteem, self-improvement, self-fulfillment and self-indulgence. Go to a bookstore and look at the self-help section. There are any number of ways you can make the self better. We're told many things. Uh, oh, I've heard this said before. Look, parents, you just need, it's just about you now. You just need to, it's about self. We have a problem with self-importance. We want to be in the know. We long for people to think we're in their confidences or we like to, to self-gratify ourselves, And we do this in many ways. How was your day today? Oh, let me tell you all the things that I've struggled with and how good I've been today and all the things I've done. We prove our own worth. We prove our own work. How many times, and I'm guilty of this, someone comes and says, how are you doing today? And you're like, oh, let me tell you. When we should be saying, I have been justified by the blood of the lamb. I am Jesus's own. I can come into my father's presence. And yes, I may be having a bad day, but I rejoice in him. This, is, this should be the focus and the theme of our song. Paul has announced death to self. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ lives in us. The world no longer revolves around us. 
I don't have to be dominated by my thoughts of my own pleasure, my own prestige. I don't have to go around saying, oh, let me tell you the way I'm put upon today. My wife wants me to do this. My children are demanding this of me. No, that's not what it's about. It's death to self so that I can come and say, I get to help my wife. I get to love my children. I get to come and serve the church. This is what it means to be in Christ. This is what it means to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Our identity is is established by our union with Christ. We have no self except for the self we have in him. We must see ourselves as we are in Christ. Justifying faith is how we receive, receive Christ Jesus. And it means we're a new people. It's not a doctrine, as Paul says, that promotes sin. We live in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, for the glory of God. We are crucified with him. We have been raised with him. J. Gresham Machen says, Christ will do everything or nothing. Earn your salvation if your obedience to the law is perfect, or else trust wholly in Christ's completed work. You cannot do both. You cannot combine merit and grace. If justification, even in the slightest measure, is through human merit, then Christ died in vain. Do you understand what we communicate when we try to add our works to justification? We say the death of Christ was not enough. If you are in Christ, then you have been fully satisfied. Your your justice has been fully satisfied. But let me say this. If you do not know him, then that justice has not been satisfied. And there is a wrath that is coming and is real. If justification by the law is possible, then there is no need for Christ to be crucified. Either salvation comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ or it comes through human effort. It cannot be both. And the notion of Christ, the Son of God, dying for nothing is scandalous. The cross proved that justification comes through grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. Christ died for someone. He died for you. He died for me. It is a reality. He loves us both specifically and corporately. He gave himself up for us when he died for our sins on the cross. Divine love is not an abstract concept. It's not something that we just keep relegated to theology books. It's a passionate, affectionate love that has been expressed through sacrificial death. This is what Christ has done for us. This is why we come and worship a risen Savior. Because each of us struggles with the problem of sin. We are born in sin. We live in sin. And apart from Christ, we die in sin. But thanks be to God that God, that Christ has not left us to ourselves. Through him, we have died to the law. If we are in him, its penalty is no longer weighing over our heads. Are you in Jesus Christ? Have you come to him in faith and obedience and in repentance? then this reality is true for you today. You have new life in him. 
do you, are you not sure? Are you not sure if Jesus is real and if he has died for you? Then I ask and, and I, I pray that you would hear these words today. Christ is a reality. The Christ of the Bible is true. He comes and he has sacrificially died. He, he went to the cross and bore your punishment upon his shoulders. Come and have new life in him. Share in the, this wondrous reality that we remember today. There is a beauty in crying out, he is risen indeed. They're not mere words. It's not something that we should just do rotely. It's not something we should do just once a year. It's a beautiful, wondrous reality. It's the hope that is set before you today. It's the only hope for those who have come in faith and repentance. We are justified through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Paul can now say, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Because it has been conquered through Jesus Christ. And this affects all of us. The whole of our being. We don't have to go through life with this attitude of, oh, it's just another day. And, oh, the pains and aches and, oh, the sufferings. And we get to come with joy in spite of our sufferings, knowing that we suffer with Christ. This is the hope that we see represented in this table that we're about to come to. Jesus. Body broken. His blood poured out. And let me say this. There are no part-time Christians. We come to Easter, and Easter tends to be one of the days, two days a year we come to church. If you believe in this word, if you believe in Christ Jesus, then live as if you believe it. Live by faith. Because yes, we have died to the law, but now we get to obey Christ. We get to come to him in faith and obedience, uh, hearing and obeying his word. As you go from this place today, as we finish up this service, you're going to go to family's house, you may go to friend's house, and you're going to enjoy the time. But my hope and prayer this, this day and every day is that the reality of the Jesus that we worship would not be diminished that we worship a risen Savior through all that we do, through the eating of ham and good sides and the hunting of eggs and all the trappings that come with it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about worshiping and praising this risen Savior who has justified us, who has taken our sins upon himself, and has given us his righteousness, and we wear it now like a garment.
it's Easter, right? And so, I mean, if you've seen my kids, they're all in their Easter clothes that they got. And many of us have gotten Easter clothes, not all of us, but you remember at some point in your life, I'm sure you've gotten Easter clothes and we proudly wear our Easter clothes and we put them on and my son looks very cute this morning if you haven't seen him. And you go, oh, that's such niceness, right? Wear your righteousness like that. Put on the righteousness of Christ. Be proud of what uh, he has done for us. Be thankful for what he has done for us. Display it. Display the wonder and beauty of Jesus Christ for all to see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Jesus Christ. We are so thankful for this doctrine of justification that the cross is not something that is abhorrent or ugly or disgusting, but it is something that is beautiful. And that you are not an ugly God because you had the cross in mind from all eternity. But you knew that wrath had to be satisfied and you did it through the work of your son. And so the, the cross is beautiful even in its uh, brutality because it is in the cross that we have life. Would that reality be made, be made known and manifest to us this day? We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please stand together.